You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Lumo Energy SA, 100% Australian-owned, with energy plans and great local rewards made for South Australia. This is Sports Day. Welcome to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA, and you'll hear Sports ASA every weeknight from 6pm with me, Paul Bonza. And alongside me, Eagles Premiership player, Dan Menzel. Menz, we got two shows left before the big boys come back. Two shows left, so uh, plenty to get through the uh, cricket. The fourth test started today, and it's currently on right now. So we'll update you throughout the show, and we'll have a look at AFL Thursday. Yes. So we'll have a look at our AFL predictions we're going to go through tonight, and uh, we're going to chat to the great Malcolm Blight as well and see what he's got for us with his predictions too. Yeah, we'll have a very quick look at the Marsh Cup uh, from last night. Unfortunately, the Redbacks couldn't get the job done. World Baseball Classic is underway and uh, Australia doing okay today. And Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing Australia will be here. Uh, Greyhound Racing South Australia, I should say, will be here. And you can be part of the show as well. Text in 0427-154-166. Maybe give us your predictions for the AFL season. Who's going to win the Brownlow? Who's going to be Premiers? All that sort of stuff. Or you can give us a call. 1-300-736-736. Should we just get into it, Mens? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty at Char Time. Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Test matches on as we speak. Australia won the toss. They are batting and are currently 2 for 107. Smith's 13 not out and Kawaja is doing it again. Men's 48 not out. Yeah, they've started well, the Aussies. The pitch uh, that they selected does look a bit better than the previous pitches that we have played on. So, it, uh, it looks a little bit more batter-friendly, I guess you could say. There is still the two pitches on the ground, which is quite incredible, Bonds. But um, <laughs> they've chose one. And to be two for 107, Trav Head got dropped early by Barat behind the stumps, which was really bad. It was a regulation catch, which he put down, but uh, he didn't go on to make too many more. So it's, uh, it's really nicely placed for the Australians here. A great chance for us to level the series. And the track actually looks like a cricket wicket. It doesn't look like a dust bowl. It's holding together. The ball's not going through the top, as it should be on day one of a test match in one of the best-looking stadiums Incredible. in the world. 120,000 capacity. There's maybe half of that there today. Uh, the Prime Ministers went around on a little parade together before the uh, test started. The little, um, what's what was it? It was sort of a glorif- glorified Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> Golf cart. Yeah, they're standing there waving, crowd going nuts. What I'm loving looking at this screen here in the studio, men's, is seeing Steve Smith batting in the baggy green. Yeah, it is. And he he struggled at times throughout this test series. Uh, he's got out to a couple of really good deliveries. So 
I'm expecting him to go on and, and post a good score here. Kawaja, obviously high score for us in the last match. So we're in a really nice position here. If these two can con- consolidate this partnership, then um, it'll put us in a good position. And if we can come out of this with a two-all series tie from where we were. It'll be amazing. It'll be an amazing achievement, amazing result. We have locked up our place in the Test Championship. We have. Which is huge. And uh, – we're waiting to see who we play against, which India is currently second ranked in the world. And so they're in the box seat to make it. But the team that's currently third in the world, I'm not sure many people out there will know who that is or would predict that it is Sri Lanka. It is Sri Lanka. And they are currently in a test match against New Zealand, which started uh, started this morning at 8.30 in the morning. Sri Lanka uh, got put into bat first and are six for 305 at stumps. So they are in a really nice position. They need a win this two-test series against New Zealand to be able to take Australia, take on Australia in the Test Championship. So they've started really nicely. And the other test that's going on at the moment, South Africa and the West Indies. South Africa stumps on day one, seven for 311. Aidan Markham in some really good form there with another 96 off the back of his 100 last test. So three test matches going on around the world. That's great for world cricket at the moment. And uh, Australia, two for 108 after 44 overs. How good is... Usman Khawaja been on this tour. Like, he, uh, he has been by by far and away Australia's best batter. Uh, good to see Trav. Trav uh, made 32 today. They put on 61 for the opening partnership. Um, but Khawaja still there on 48, looking fantastic. It looks solid, though, with the two of them at the top because it you've did. got Travis who comes in and bats with authority and you've got Usman who um, puts away the poor balls and is making runs. And so – with that in mind, surely that gives you confidence to go into the ashes with them two at the top of the order. I Trav could easily drop back down to his regulation position. I think he will. And I think he probably will too. But it gives you some real confidence that they've had some great opening stands. And, and by great, that when you're scoring 50 or 60 without loss over there in India in these conditions, yep. that's as good as 100, 150 here in Australia. So... It should give them confidence if that's the partnership they want to go with, which we don't think they will. But if they do, oh, I'd see no issue with doing that. Marsh Cup last night was a bit disappointing for South Australia. Uh, we won the toss, put them in, so we got that bit right. Uh, Western Australia made seven for 387. Josh Inglis, 138 off 110 balls. He was dropped on 26 oh. by Henry Hunt. Uh, off the bowling of Menanti, it was an absolute dolly. It just hit straight to him and he... he you know, everyone drops catches, but uh, that proved to be uh, very costly. Bancroft made runs again, 90. Mitch Marsh, 56 off 30. He was absolutely smashing them. And uh, Wes Ago got, got a couple of wickets. Um, we had a really good start. We were scoring at seven and a half and over. Uh, Henry Hunt and Kelvin Smith played his first game for South Australia. And uh, he batted well, 44 off 34. But then it all went downhill from there. Our boy... Uh, um, Nathan McAndrew made 42 off 26 at the end. Ashton Agar got a five for, um, but Australia won for 102 and going along at a, a nice clip and then lost seven for 80. And in the end, they, they were just bowled out trying to get some runs. Yeah, they were that chasing 387 was always going to be very difficult against any team, but against, let's be honest, the, probably the best, uh, domestic team we've ever seen in WI. Might be too. Yep. And if you're not certain about that or sure about that, they here's some stats for you. They are the holders of all three competitions. They've now gone back-to-back in the T20, so the Perth Scorchers. 
They've gone back-to-back in the one-day competition, the Marsh Cup, and they are looking to go back-to-back in the Sheffield Shield competition, which they are currently on top of. So They'll get a home final. They will get a home final. It just shows under Adam Voges as the Western Australian coach, the absolute um, demolition that they are doing on the rest of the competition. And we went through their names that are in the sides that they have. It is an incredible list that they've got, and they are absolutely putting it together to a T, and they're as dominant a force as there's ever been in domestic cricket. They are that strong that Josh Philippi is playing second 11 cricket. He can't make their shield side. Yeah, and so on that, Ashton Agar's the other one, who they said, we're pretty happy with what we've got. You've come back from Australia, where you nearly played test cricket for Australia, and we don't want you to play in our four-day comp. It's, um, it's nuts. They're the very, very set. It is incredible uh, how well and how good WIR yeah. are at the moment. I've got a question for you. Jake Lehman, um, at the end of the game, they do the speeches. They get the losing captain to come up. Uh, he congratulated the Redbacks for making the final. And I don't know how this sits with me. Is, is it just a throwaway line or is that because of the attitude they've been down for so long that – just making the final was seen as a win for them. Uh, it is. I'm a little bit on in both camps here, Bonds, because I agree with you where it shouldn't be just about making the final. You want to win these trophies. That's what you play any sport for. However, the Redbacks have been notoriously poor for a long time. Unfortunately, the results just haven't come. And so it's great to see that um, although the Big Bash was up and down, the Sheffield Shield's going well. We've made the Marsh Cup final. Uh, the results are starting to come. And I think, no question. I think no that's question. what they are really driving home. And the messaging we're getting from when we've spoke with Daniel Drew and Ben Menenti, uh is that we are competing, we're a good side now. And so I think that it still hasn't got to the level of we need to win um, trophies. It is we need to be competitive and we're really happy with where we're at at the moment. So I think that's a little bit in what he's doing there and congratulating his team. We're on the right path, but we're not quite at that level where we expect trophy, trophies at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'd just love – I would have loved to seen a really strong statement there from Jake Lehman and saying um, – even saying to the point – it's great that we made the final. But we're disappointed. But we're really disappointed we didn't win. It's an interesting one because if you're an outsider looking in and I looked at the two teams, uh, on paper we have no right to win that game. They are a far better team on paper. And so does that creep in a little bit of, hey, we've done a great job to get here. We didn't quite get it done, but really proud of you boys, uh, yep. potentially. And I think that other teams would say you guys should be very happy with making the final. Um, but it is a very interesting talking point, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in years to come, whether we are, yep, it's trophies now for the Redbacks or nothing, or we're content with just contending. Now, you and I become baseball nuffies over the summer because of our, uh, I guess, involvement with the Adelaide Giants. We had a few few of the guys on. We went to a, a couple of games. Um, we got right into it, and at the moment, the World Baseball Class- Classic is on where all the countries around the world are competing it's in Japan, and the finals are in Florida. Australia played Korea today, who are a very, very good baseball country. And Adelaide's Jack O'Glocklin uh, started pitcher today. He did. And, and the Aussies have come up trumps. They've won 
It's an incredible win. It's an incredible start to the tournament. Korea would have a decent following and um, people have obviously gone across from Korea as well to watch the game in Japan. Yes. It's a, it's a massive win for us because we're not a known nation when it comes to baseball. Now, Japan, the Dominican Republic and the USA are the three favorites to take out the tournament. Um, there's a lot of hype around it in America at the moment and, and in Japan and rightfully so because it's really taken off in Japan. And so for Australia to get a win first up, it's going to give them so much confidence. Uh, teams will look at us and go, they might be the easy beats. Uh, we've showed that we weren't today. To win 8-7, to seven, it's an incredible experience for those Australian players that play in the Australian Baseball League uh, yes. to play against the players of that ilk and to have a win, credit to them and well done. Great start. Yeah, it was a great start. And they played China on Friday. The games are on ESPN, so you can watch them there as well um, or follow them online. Uh, that's um, hot topic done and dusted. Uh, thanks to Lumo Energy, Aussie owned for made for South Australia. Coming up on the show, we are going to speak to Malcolm Blight, the great man who's coming back on the show. And also, up next, Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing South Australia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Lumo Energy SA. 100% Australian-owned. With energy plans and great local rewards made for South Australia. You're listening to Sports Day. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA with Paul Bonzer and Dan Menzel right here on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Men's um, and Wildy, they're back Monday. We've only got two shows. Don't forget tomorrow night. We're going to have a bit of a, a look back over the summer as well. So make sure you join us tomorrow night for our final summer edition. Um, time to speak to the great man, Todd Gray. We love this bloke. Uh, thanks to Greyhound Racing SA. No one runs the dogs like South Australia. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Toddy, welcome to the summer edition of Sports ASA. Oh, thanks for having me again, lads. And I'll tell you what, right now I'm getting very sick of the colour silver, boys. Can we stop running second? Just yes. for a bit. I just don't want to represent anymore. We keep this up. We're going to have a minute for, at this rate. I'm telling you what. Well, I was, yeah, I was with you last week and yet two seconds. Oh, well, bad luck. Can't win them all, I guess. But we need to win some. This is the, this is the get out of jail stakes for us. This is our last Thursday with you. So we need a couple of winners, Toddy. What do you got for us first up? Oh, hopefully I've got two for you, lads. You're right. I haven't kicked, I haven't kicked too many goals um, when you guys have been in the seat. But I'll tell you what I tell all my exes. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> my fault, right, lads? It is my fault. But uh, let's try to go out on a winning note, and I've got two for you tonight. They're, um, they're in late races, so it's going to be a late one, lads. So race nine, number one, is the first one, Spring Illusion. Uh, look, it's only a four-dog race, this, so we got no chance of getting the each way or anything here, so it's win only. Um, look, he was a brilliant run last start at Gawler. He flew the lids over to 500 and never looked like getting beat. It was his first run for a month, so it was just really encouraging to see. He should be better for the run. He will be better for the run. Um, look, I reckon he's every chance at leading this four-dog field. He's got box one, which he loves. It's a step up to the 595 metres, but he's won over 700, so the distance, not a concern. Uh, the two-dog drawn next to him, I think, is the slowest beginner of the four, so that shouldn't trouble him early. And there's only two chances. The only dog which could pressure him at all at any point is the six, which is unproven over the distance. So stick with the dog you know rather than the dog you don't. Um, yeah, spring illusion for mine. If he just repeats what he did at Gawler last week at Angle Park... I just think he leads all the way. He's around about the $3, $3.20 mark. 
Yeah, I reckon, he, I reckon he'll start close to favourite by the time the lids go up. Okay, so race nine, number one, Spring Illusion. Uh, your next best is in the get-out stakes. It's race 12, uh, the last of the yeah. night. Before you give it, um, there's the there's only four dogs in the race, which you mentioned in the last one, and I want to know the four, the squeeze box, is the favourite. Why have you gone against it when there's only four greyhounds in this race? Well, I'll tell you one thing, lads. What you just said then about the four dogs, Absolute moral, it'll be leading for about three quarters of this race. There is no scenario where I do not see the four dogs leading. So I don't think the box is going to be a worry for it because the other three dogs are just not known for their early pace. Um, the, so the four will lead, but I tell you what, the last race, it's going to, the last race, it's going to be a bit more of a compact track. Uh, I reckon it's going to be absolutely paddling the last 100 metres. It's not a fair dinkum 500 metre dog, but it's a very nice short course dog. So I'm looking for the dog I think will lob second to the four. And I keep coming back to the one here, Copycat. Uh, look, a few starts ago, Gawler, he won over the 400, where he actually jumped for, I think, the first time in his career. Uh, if he can jump like that, even better, but he doesn't need to. I'd actually rather see the four lead and him get a nice, safe spot just following it in second. And I reckon we can be three or four lengths behind it in the last, oh, probably 100 metres coming into the home straight and run it down. Um, the four will be doing the old Fred Flintstones. It'll be tippy in the last 50. And I just think we lob second to it, we beat it. No excuses. So if we lob second, I'm going to go the early crow and I might get made to eat crow. So race 12, number one, copycat. I love that, Toddy, because I've just had a look at the four and in its last four races, it has finished second. And its last three, it has led every race and been run down. So your research, your form is as good as ever. And uh, let's hope that uh, copycat can come storming home tonight and get over the top of Velocity Tiny late. Well, hopefully, I've emailed the dogs a script. I just hope they've read it now, boys. That's how I want it to go. <laughs> hey, um, speaking of being funny, you're doing a bit of a stand-up show at the Fringe tonight, I hear. I am, lad. That's why I went for the uh, later races today. Um, in about half an hour, I'm going to be jumping on the stage at the, uh, at the Hewitt Town Centre down my way near Gawler. Um, I'm opening for the very funny Mark Ryan. Uh, the beautiful Bogan is his, is his um, stage name. He's a very funny comic, but he's also just, and I mean this from the heart, he's one of my favourite human beings on the planet. So he's asked me to open for him. So, yeah, I get to jump up, do a bit of the funnies for about 10 or 15 minutes and then enjoy the rest of the night and then probably head home to watch the uh, two dogs we've uh, hit the, get the cash. So, yeah, um, he's doing his fringe show all over, the, uh, all over um, South Australia during the fringe. He doesn't just stay in Adelaide. He travels all about. Uh, I've got to be careful what I say, though. The show, if you want to look it up, it's called Not Here to F Spiders. So uh, you can fill in the missing gap there if you want, if you want to look it up on the fringe. Fantastic show, fantastic bloke, and hopefully I can do a fantastic job tonight. Spot on, Toddy. Uh, say hello to Mark for me. Shout out to uh, the beautiful Bogan. I went up to Oruru a couple of weeks ago, Bonds, uh, when uh, I spoke with you on the show via the phone, and I was with uh, the beautiful Bogan who was doing stand-up that night. So, uh, no, he's a great man, and so definitely shout-out to him and get along to see that. So all the best tonight, Toddy, with that. Yeah, great work, Toddy. Oh, fingers, yeah, fingers crossed, lads. Let's just hope that tonight I'm the only thing that's laughable, not the dog. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Appreciate your time. Cheers. For expert Greyhound Racing tips, follow at the Dogs SA on Twitter or check out Greyhound Racing SA on Facebook. Toddy, doing a bit of stand-up. Yeah, I like that. Um, he is a funny man. I, I, again, I love how he gives us the summary of the race before it happens. He's been very close to it paying off. It hasn't yet, 
but tonight might oh, be the see, night. See, I'm going to go again, aren't I? Well, the last he's, he's We've got to go again. summed up the last race beautifully, and the form is there. So uh, we do have to go again. In the get-out stakes, is the last race of the night. Perfect. <laughs> All right. For, for, um, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. I had a little bit of a Bill Laurie moment there. <laughs> award-winning. <laughs> um, yes, that's the Kia Sorento award-winning. Coming up on the show, the one, the only... The man with statues all over Adelaide, all over Australia, Hall of Famer and co-host of Sports ASA across the winter. It is Malcolm Blight coming up on the show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to speak to Blighty next. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Lumo Energy SA, 100% Australian-owned, with energy plans and great local rewards made for South Australia. You're listening to Sport. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonzer with you alongside Dan Menzel. And we have the great man on the line right now, Malcolm Blight, and he's brought to us by Toolkit Depot, your trade pro partner. Toolkit Depot is your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. Sports Day SA. In the Hall of Fame. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Malcolm, welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Your holidays are almost over, my friend. Uh, Paul and Dan, hi guys. Yeah, I've been listening on and off. Obviously, we've been a, had a couple of trips away, but it's been interesting. I've, I've enjoyed, I've actually enjoyed your opinions and your commentary. So, uh, congratulations. I'm well, sure you mean that. It's been really good. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate that. Um, and you'll be back with David Wildey next week on Monday. Get things underway. Public holiday, first day back at work. That's a bit rough too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes you lose the toss. You've got to kick against the wind occasionally. <laughs> All right, I just want to ask you, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the two Adelaide AFL teams. Um, Port's losses in the practice games over in Perth, do they mean much? Generally speaking, I, um, for, for, you know, your first year of coaching, this, this sounds funny, your first year of coaching, you want to impress and you want to do everything. And so some of those first-year coaches or second-year coaches are still still trying to work out how to win the game. But when you get a bit, I must say, when you get a bit with an experienced group, which Port Adelaide are now, I know they've got a few youngies, but you, you probably try a couple of things that people mightn't even pick up. So the answer to that is, depends on where your club is, at what stage of their development, and you as a coach and a coaching group want to do something about it. So the short answer to that is, Look, it may be, but but it, they may have been trying stuff. And, uh, you know, Lockie Jones in the middle, for instance, that's a try, isn't it? Just to have a look. Yeah, it absolutely is, Malcolm. And uh, thanks for joining us tonight. The, the question I've got, the follow-up question from that is, Port Adelaide's midfield, do you think their young stars are ready? They're, they're obviously coming through in Connor Rosie, Dersma, Horn Francis, but as you talked about Jones, do you think they're all ready to take that next step to be able to compete against the elite midfields in the competition? Yeah, Dan, you, I mean, you, that, that is the, you know, the, the $64 question, as we used to say. We, we know Rosie is. Have the rest joined him? Probably not quite yet. And it does take time. You, you know, I look at Oliver and Petrarca, probably the best duo going around in the competition at the moment for Melbourne. Yep. They've taken four or five years, you know, six years even. 
you know, that 23, 24, 25, you start to get it. Your body gets used to banging into bigger blokes, as we all know in the midfield now. So it, it does take time. So as as Ollie Wines will still be okay. Travis Boke, you know, he's, we know he's been a great player. Being in and out. William Drew, he's still, you know, and there's still, a couple of them are still learning. Dersma, Butter, Butters is a beauty. Yes. But he just keeps whacking into blokes and tying himself out. So that's all learnt behaviour. It is, it is. And so follow-up from that on the power is um, do you see their forward line being an issue this year potentially in terms of who's going to keep the goals, how's it going to look, the unknown, the injury factor with a few of them as well? Look, it is. I mean, I reckon we know what we're going to get from Charlie Dixon. He's going to stand on the ball and compete. We know that. Um, We know Marshall's improving. Is he improving enough to take over? And we know that Rioli and Fantasia are fantastic players. Fantasia, can he play some footy? You know, I mean, he's got some smarts and yeah. some quicks. and Clever. And Rioli, I mean, those two are probably the key to the big guys, aren't they, really? So it's it's maybe a wait and see on those guys. First of all, how Rioli fits in. And secondly, can Fantasia get on the ground? So having said that, those two have had some injury woes and even Charlie to a certain extent. Do they have the backup to make, keep them competitive in the forward line? Oh, Paul, the short answer that is no, they don't. You know, someone said a few years ago, and he's back coaching again. Oh, one soldier in, you know, one soldier down, another soldier in. It's the greatest lot of hogwash you've ever heard <laughs> in footy. Because if they're any good, they would have been in there in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's so a- that's the. You know, I mean, I just, I don't get that. You know, I mean, it, you get so much, you've got a draft and a salary cap. You know, you can't have five blokes waiting to come in. I mean, they're lucky if they can, and they're lucky if they contribute. Hopefully they can, but they're not of the ilk of those two that you just met or I mentioned, because otherwise they'd be in there. Absolutely. I couldn't couldn't agree anymore, Malcolm. It's a, it's a line that coaches use to try and motivate players, but it definitely uh, players know that that's not the case. And so one more on Port Adelaide before we move on to the Crows. Jason Horn francis how have you seen uh, his couple of games, his start at Port Adelaide, and do you think that some patience is required? Dan, I, I'm probably sure. I got a phone call today from uh, your, I think maybe a story in the advertiser. If there is, it is. If it's not, you know, we all sometimes say something. I just think he, he, I think he's got a wonderful talent. Yep. He's got a, he understands footy. I've actually called him a bit of a rusher. You know, when you try to impress so much, I felt it at North Melbourne and I even felt it in the game support Adelaide. He actually just wants to be, you know, be what he is and he just rushes everything, gives away free kicks and he'll learn. You know, playing football, you've got to have the all-round ability, but a fair bit of it when you get to, you know, like the ability that he's got, it, it's it's between the ears. So I, I just think he just needs to uh, he'll be coached out of doing that to actually make better decisions and not just try a thousand percent. You know, sometimes you can actually just wait for something to happen and then move. I agree. He doesn't, I think, exactly that. He doesn't have to play like he is the number one draft pick and he has to prove that right now, game one, round one. He's got time. He's still young and it's a great point. I think it's a good lesson to a lot of young kids out there who get taken high in the draft bonds that um, come in and expect to play round one. 
expect to dominate the competition. Look, you've come from an under-18 competition yes. in most cases. It's going to take a little bit of time, which I think is what Malcolm is spot on with there. What about the Crows in Perth? Had a couple of really good performances. Their fans are, are liking what they're seeing early. The, the forward line looks fantastic with Fogarty and uh, Tex up there. You know what you're going to get from Tex. Did you like the two performances from the Crows in Perth? Well, I did. And the score, you know, once again, depending on where you are, I mean, Matthew Nix is, you know, still a young coach, I consider. Um, but the scoreboard is it's sometimes irrelevant. It's important, but it's irrelevant sometimes. But the thing I liked was, I mean, I, I, I'm going to, uh, I, I should never say this. There's a young guy who plays at the Crows now, I think is something special. And uh, that's Jake Saligo. He, he, if you watching those two games, just his movements and his ability to set the Adelaide Crows midfield running with some unbelievable handball. I'm a handball person only when it's good. Otherwise, it's too easy to do. He actually made really good decisions with the ball. I, I just couldn't believe that this young fella set his teammates off and around the ground. And, you know, Hopefully, I'm not putting too much pressure on him. Um, but I, I just thought he was good. Peddler's gun, you know, a really good mate of mine, really good footy. You know, he, he loves Peddler, and I do too. So that's two new boys coming into the midfield, you know. And look, the rest of them, you know, Dawson behind the ball is going to be okay. Smith's still going to be okay. And I tell you what, I thought Rory Laird in that game against WA probably played his most composed game of football. I know it's a practice game. And I know the Eagles didn't have Nick Natanui or Jack Darling up forward, which puts a different slant on it. But his delivery was was the best I've seen. I know it's a practice game. And he's already won two best and fairest. So him as a senior player might be with these other two coming in there. Instead of him being the ramming ball all the time, he can actually start to add some class, which we know from halfback he did. Absolutely. It's, uh, you've led into this next question beautifully, Malcolm, and that is that we we had Rory Ladd on and he, he spoke about uh, the midfield dynamic and looking a little bit different this year. And so if he's in there potentially having a Rankin or a Shelley in there with him, maybe a Saligo had to go in there as well. Um, you've got Dawson, you've got Berry. So just a different makeup where I think as you touched on the class, but then you've got that speed, you've got that energy, that you've got that youth as well. And so your thoughts on uh, what they're doing with their midfield and running a lot of different uh, players through there. Yeah, and, and, and Dan as you will know, you've got to do it. I mean, it, it's just, it, I mean, it is, a, you know, it's a tough game and it's physical in the middle. The blokes are six foot three and four now. You know, it's not as though they're five foot eight like they used to be. So, I mean, it is, it, it's it's a really shared position. And I've always felt that anyhow, that if you can share that through the midfield, learn to play half forward or half back as a midfielder. Learn to do that so you can actually contribute to the team. And when it's not your day, someone else can take over from you. So I've always thought that. After losing a few grand finals, I, I decided that was the way the game had to go. And I, and I reckon the last five or ten years, if you think about it, the teams that have won flags have been much more adaptable than others. And that's a bit about personnel and a bit about luck and a bit about drafting good. But the other thing I found interesting was that McAdam went in the middle for a while. He looked half okay there too. He did, which is uh, it's interesting just listening to you talk about those points and uh, the other point I want to, a question I want to ask is around offense and around, do you think that teams are going to have a greater emphasis on it? We've seen Geelong win the premiership last year off the back of the best offense, Melbourne the year before off, off the back of a team that can kick uh, eight or 10 goals in a quarter, which they did in the grand final. 
your thoughts on the offense to defense balance? Mate, I'm sorry. Anyone that knows me knows where I've been in in that (laughs) regard. Look, I'll give you the stats now. It used to be 15 goals you had to kick in the grand final to win it in in the AFL era, in the last 10 years. 15 goals, right? So if you're not doing that throughout the year, I don't know how you can do it grand final day. I, I just don't get it. Anyhow, with what happened last year with Geelong smashing, I think it's gone up a goal. So the answer is 16 goals. If you're not working to kick 16 goals, just I've always said defence is important as an essential. But if you're not trying to move the ball quickly, and Dan, you'd know this more than anyone. If you get in the forward line one-on-one, I don't care... Forget team defence. If you get it in there one-on-one as a team and as an individual, you've got a chance. When you have to fight five blokes or six opposition, it's stupid. I think the game, there's been a few coaches like, you know, Hardwick, maybe Simon Goodwin, and maybe Chris Scott has learned that, hey, if we get in there quickly, give a bloke a 50% chance, they're probably going to get their share. It's a really good point, and I think uh, Crows fans will love hearing that. With that forward line that they have this year, if they can get the ball in there, they'll be able to kick a score without a doubt. And so on that note, uh, Malcolm, let's get to some predictions. So, Bonds, if you want to okay. lead us off and yep. see what Malcolm has for us for so, this upcoming, upcoming AFL season. Now, Blighty, we know you probably do these on Monday as well, but we're going to get in first and uh, get your predictions for this season AFL-wise. Who are the premiers in 2023? Yeah, I think the uh, the Grungorn combination is turning back the clock. We all used to have two Ruckman, and hopefully they can play in the forward pocket or back pocket and all that sort of stuff. So I think Melbourne, with a little bit of a down year last year, have had a reset. Now, I've got a feeling they're going to be fairly hungry. So Melbourne, for me, for Premiers. Who plays them in the grand final, Malcolm? Oh, there's no doubt Brisbane have got to play in a grand final with this group. You know, getting Gunston and Duckley... Like, can I just how how can you get another best and fairest? When they recruited Lockie Neal three or four years ago, I said, how do they get a best and fairest out of Fremantle to come and play in Brisbane? Well, guess what? They've done it again with Dunkley, best and fairest at the Bulldogs. If they they'd be the most disappointing club in the last five years if they can't make it to a grand final this year. They had a couple of chances. There was even a grand final and finals played in Queensland and they didn't make it. They are absolutely due. Not to mention the number one pick. Uh, Wooden Spoon, who's going yep. to finish on the bottom of the ladder? I think uh, Sam Mitchell and Hawthorne have absolutely decided, you know, emptying out the cupboard. All that happened before them in those great eras and just said, let's go and get 12 or 15 picks in the top 30 in the next three years. What happens from here? The club are backing in by the look of it. So the Hawks are probably going to be and the worst spot they've been in a few years. But they've been there before, you know, and they bounce back pretty quick. Oh, I'm disappointed in that, so men's can ask you the next question. I will take the next questions, Malcolm, because of, we've got very similar answers so far, so I'm interested to see now where it changes. So the Coleman medalist this year, who do you see winning the Coleman? Yeah, I think Charlie can go back-to-back. Back. I mean, you know, he's had his injury, Charlie Kuno, that is. He won it last year with 60-odd. I, th- I mean, here's he a start. I mean, he's got some ability. And if they keep kicking the ball forward, whether Carlton make the finals or not, they're going to be knocking on the door. So he's going to get enough chances. Who wins the Rising Star Award? Oh, Will Ashcroft. 
I actually worked with uh, Marcus, his dad, on the Gold Coast, and obviously saw him playing those all those great premiership sides at Brisbane. When he was, oh, I reckon, thirteen or fourteen, I watched him with the academy group at the Gold Coast. He was beating the sixteens and seventeen-year-olds on the run, and could kick it, mark it, and handball it. He is a star. Yeah, I think uh, 100% of people are going to go with that choice. Uh, the Brownlow medal, this one not so obvious. Yeah, it is to me. Who? There's been a guy I said three years ago would win it, and he ran third. There was a guy I said two years ago would win it, and he did. And there was a guy last year I said he'll probably win it again, and he ran second. Lockie Neal, in a better, a fractionally better team with the way he plays, I think he's, he's the most gorgeous player of you know, over the last three years, I think he he could be back to you know win his second easily if uh, Brisbane get up and about. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, which team do you have as your biggest improver in twenty twenty three? I think I think the Bulldogs. You know, uh, Luke Beveridge has been an interesting character, hasn't he? But I, I reckon with the forward line and they play under the Bicky tin lid. That's what. A lot of my old mates call it. They play, you know, at Docklands with a lid on. And so the tools are always going to be interesting. You know, Lobb's an interesting player. Norton's one of my favourite players. Yeah, I picked him out about six or five, six years ago. And you've got Hugo Hagen who's going to improve. You know, I, I just... Uh, I, and you've got English who can play. I reckon they're going to be interesting to watch. And they've got to pick up a couple more at the back, you know, a couple of older players. So hopefully their back line's been their issue. They've picked up a couple now that might help them. And uh, which team will be your biggest slider? And I, I don't mean any disrespect to this, but um, we had a new coach come into the competition last year called Craig McRae. And Collingwood won 28. No, that's silly. Don't say that, Malcolm. It's like <laughs> five or six or seven. Five or six or seven games by a kick and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I remember talking to David Wildey on Sports Day SA, which is going to follow you guys in a few days. Is that you know what's going to happen here? I can write the script of this, and I think I said it publicly on air. I just said, you know, they're probably going to lose a final by a point or two. Guess what? They did. Living on that knife edge is hard. You either go on with it, or you actually then bite it back the other way. A lot of people in the old days used to say, oh, we can win the three or four pointers. There was so much. When you look back over the last four or five minutes of a game of our game, there's so many bounces of the ball, so many strategies, so much skill, so good from players, not so good from players, not so good from coaches, that to keep doing that is a folly. You you can't get on that edge. And I would hate to think that Collingwood lose six games by less than a goal because they will be the biggest down movement you've seen. Malcolm, we'll let you go. Uh, enjoy the last three days of your holidays and uh, we'll leave the studio nice and clean when you get back here on Monday. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you uh, spending well, some time with us. Well done, Paul. Well done, Dan. Good on you guys. A great summer on uh, Sports Day. Fantastic, guys. Good on you. Thanks, Thanks Malcolm. Malcolm Blight will be back on Monday with David Wildey right here on Sports ASA. And he was brought to us by Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent independent tire retailer, keeping you safe on the roads, tirepower.com.au. You don't do that often, Bonds. I know. uh, A little fumble. A little fumble, but that's okay. We'll... um, It's okay. We got Malcolm's predictions there. Yes, we did. And... uh, 
look, they might not be that dissimilar to ours, but let's get into our predictions. All right. Well, I'll ask you first. Okay. Or are we going to go one-on-one? We'll go one-on-one. All right. So yeah. who's your premier? I'm going to go Melbourne as well. I'm going to go Melbourne as well. Okay. We're boring. Uh, Runner-up. Uh, again, I like Brisbane. I really do. Malcolm's so spot on with the list they have now that they've got to contend. Uh, he's a smart man, Malcolm. Brisbane. <laughs> All right. Well, wooden spoon. Will we go different? I'm going to go Hawthorne here. I know that you're not going to like hearing that being a Hawksman yourself. Um, no, Hawthorne will not finish bottom. North Melbourne will finish bottom. Fair. Okay. Clarko versus Mitchell. All yep. right. Coleman medalist. I really like Aaron Norton. Yeah, I think that's a good call. He'll be around the mark. I've gone for Lynch at Richmond. Yeah, fair. Very fair call. Uh, rising star. It's, it's just Ashcroft. We, you can't overthink this. Yeah. It is going to be Will Ashcroft. There's no doubt in that. I think the Brownland medal, we are similar on this one. Yeah, I like the Bont. I'm also going to go the Bontempelli, and that's the reason being is I'm big on the Bulldogs this year. I've talked about this a few times. I like Bontempelli to win the Brownlow. The biggest improver, I'm sticking with the Bulldogs. I think they're going to be a top four team this year. Yeah, I, I like that too. I'm going to go a little bit different just to be different. I think the Crows will improve. So yep. I think they might get a couple more wins, maybe two or three more wins than what they did last year. Yeah. But I think they're almost on the verge of taking a big step. And they've showed but that. Not next, they've but sh- yeah, sh- I still don't think they might play finals. Yep. But yeah. They'll improve. They've showed that in the preseason games. And the biggest slider, Malcolm spot on with Collingwood uh, winning so many close games this last year. It's not going to happen this year. And that's why I've got them sliding to be right around eighth position. Who do you have as the biggest slider? I, I think Frio. I'm not sure how they're going to kick goals. Yep. That's, that's what concerns me. They're my team to miss the eight, so I agree with you. I'm worried about their offense. Um, however, uh, one of the captains actually picked Nat Five to win the Coleman medal this year. So let's segue into that and uh, let's have a look at how our predictions were. I think a really good gauge every single year is when the AFL captains have their day and they get asked questions about which other teams will make the top eight, who will yes. win the flag or who will play in the grand final, sorry, with your team, rising stars. So let's have a look at that right now. Bonds, there was only one team that every single captain picked to make the top eight with their team. Do you know who that was? It'd be Melbourne? It wasn't. It was Ooh. Brisbane Lions. Right. So they are the only team that every other captain has picked to make the finals. Uh, the grand finalists. So eight captains picked Geelong to play against them in the grand final. Four picked Melbourne and Brisbane, and there was two captains that picked Richmond and one other captain picked Sydney. Wow. Interesting. This so, is very interesting. Uh, Brownlow, I find this interesting to see what the captains think. So five of the captains picked which player do you think to win the Brownlow? Um, five of the captains picked Lockie Neal. No, Clayton Oliver. So the number one pick from the captains, five yeah, captain, I, I like captains picked Clayton Oliver, three picked Lockie Neal, as you said, and three picked Andrew Brayshaw, which is interesting. Uh, two selections to Bontempelli, our pick, and Tuke Miller got two picks as well. Right. To win the Brownlow. Uh, the Coleman medal, I did mention that five got one. Incredible. Probably even more surprising. How's this for a selection? I don't hate it. Jack Gunston. To win the Coleman medal, one captain picked him. Don't mind it either. He's gone from Hawthorne to the Brisbane Lions. Uh, the two standout picks, uh, Cameron and Lynch, got six selections each. Norton was a couple as well in yep. there. So uh, the Rising Star was the last one. And Will Ashcroft, eight captains picked. I thought there'd be more. Only eight. Only eight. Uh, a lot of individual selections. Uh, Judd McVie was one from Melbourne, which was interesting. Okay. 
The only multiple selection other than Will Ashcroft was Sam Darcy from the Bulldogs, who I think is rightfully the second favourite. Will finish second. Um, so there you go. Interesting. The captain's always a, a very interesting read because they will know more than anyone in the game. So um, with that in mind, Geelong is the prohibitive favourite to make it back to the grand final this year, according to the captains. That That's really interesting because I, I can't see it. Yeah. There's no Selwood. And yep. As I said to you before, he's the heartbeat. I'll give you a cricket update. It Australia. looks good. It does look good. Uh, two for 141. Smith is still there on 33. Usman Khawaja, 62. These two are putting on a very, very handy partnership. If they can get to 350, 400, they almost can't lose the test. Yeah, and we've seen that none of these tests have looked anything like getting near day five. So if we can put that score on the board, you don't imagine that India will come out and make a huge total. So... The pitch isn't doing as much. Jadeja's on at the moment and um, not looking anywhere near as damaging as him and Ashwin have in the previous It's, it's turning, but it's not ridiculous at the no. moment. It's not key. The bounce is pretty even. I, I think it's a good-looking wicket. Um, we're almost out of time, men's, but I just wanted to mention Australia A squad has been announced, announced for a tour of New Zealand, a couple of four-day games next month. And our man. Yes, he is. Spencer Johnson is in this squad along with Wes Agar and Nathan McSweeney from South Australia, uh, Mitch Perry from Victoria, Jimmy Pearson, the keeper, Matt Renshaw. Aaron Hardy, good to see him Aaron in there Aaron Hardy well. in there, Xavier Bartlett. Um, check that out on social media. Peter Hanskin will probably captain that side. But Spencer Johnson, our man, he's in there. Jeez, he's on the way, on up. His way up. It could happen very quickly, and uh, that will be the start of it. It's great to see. The last summer edition tomorrow. Make sure you join us. You've been with us all summer. And you can be with us again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Lumo Energy SA. 100% Australian-owned. With energy plans and great local rewards made for South Australia. You're listening to Sports Day.